Kiora and welcome to Machinist Therapy Hotline. We have reached episode 12 and this week we're going to be talking about Y-axis, parting, prime turning and maybe a bit of automation and some other stuff to sprinkle the top like a beautiful made cake. So we have the dream team, Albert Rigzinski. Oh, hey. Shane Poole. Yo, yo. And Tony Closer. Hey, people. I just want to say I think America's great, the world is great, but I think it could be a better place if we all stopped eating hamburgers. And me, Jody Tuckwell, making New Zealand great again. Woo! So, without further ado, let's get on oh, with the podcast. Yo! So here we are, boys. Still feeling fresh and loving it. Loving it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Never. And better. Albert, you've uh, you've just been on your shirtless vacation. How was that? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was warm. It was very warm. So where where did you go? Uh, I was out on the east coast. Uh, we were we kind of started out in New Jersey and worked our way down to Virginia and then back up to New Jersey. So. We were, we're kind of all over the place. Different, honestly, we were in a different state like every day. Wow, very That's cool. That's pretty cool. Very cool way to see it the country. Not, it didn't feel like a vacation, but it was fun. Right, and because you're you're part of like you know the sort of drag, uh, not drag queen. The <laughs> you're, like, <laughs> you're part of a hot rod sort of thing, aren't you? Yeah, I actually just got invited back out. <laughs> Uh, Ooh, like couple, they're having like uh like the winners from that which was like some of the people in our group they got invited out to like compete or like do like an exhibition pass at like an nhra event down in charlotte so oh fucking sweet that's gonna be a big time event too yeah so they get to like basically make like a couple of exhibition passes in front of like the whole nhra audience which would be kind of mm-hmm. cool no. Are you gonna be shirtless there too? Yeah, I mean, ideally. <laughs> I got a question for you. When you're doing these shirtless racing and stuff, do you do your nipples get burnt, or do you put band aids over or anything to protect them? I I mean I kind of go like old school. I go like electrical tape. Nice. nice. Um, we're there talking black. Do you just do straight or do you, do you X's? Um, I've done straight. But X's would be a good idea. I feel like that's extra style points. Yeah. Sweet. Does it hurt when you remove the electrical tape? I mean, like in a good way. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I got a yeah. question, Albert. When you took that road trip and you were drag racing and you were posing under cars and all that shit with grease <laughs> on your chest, chest and no shirt, <laughs> did you have an, an Abercrombie flashback like you might want to just go back into modeling? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, it's great because like as if I didn't get enough fucking flack from all my buddies at the track, I get to I get to get it from you guys too. So it's like a double I'm like reliving the trip all over again. We're just oh, jealous because you are so know, good looking. Why did you get <laughs> flack at the track, bro? Why'd you get flack at the track? I don't know. It was like fucking ninety-five degrees out there and I'm like, <laughs> I don't have to be in a goddamn race car. Like I'm gonna I'm taking my fucking shirt off. I'm on vacation, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the rule? Like, if you're on vacay, you gotta have no shirt on. 
No, but it's hot. <laughs> Only if you're as hot and sexy as Albert, and then you could take and, your shirt off. And you're listening to Elton John. Yeah, no one wants to see us with our shirts off. Yeah, that'd be bad. No way, man. I'm sure yeah. people are into dad bods. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Dad bods. More popular. <laughs> yeah. There's some hot chicks out there going, man, those dad bods are what? Got some hold, got something to hold on to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're hot chicks, all right. <laughs> okay, what? so let's move on. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, what about you, Shane? What have you been up to? Uh, just working, man. It's been a pretty long week. Hasn't been particularly good, but, you know, just chugging along. Why, why, why not? What's been up? What's been going on? Uh, talk, talk to us, man. This is the Machinist <laughs> Therapy Hotline, brother. That's right. This is I've why seen, we're here. I've seen those uh, TP issues, man. There's TP not on the roll, but uh, everywhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that, was, that wasn't uh, very cool. No. That was throwing um, you over the edge. No, it's just one of those weeks where it's like every, every time you go to try to do something, like something's in your way or, or you know, you're, you're stuck with a, a mess that someone else left there. Um, I went over to our, we have a, a Mori Siki, uh, MS 850 manual lathe, And I just went to make these, uh, like what kind of shoulder bolt washers for something. And, uh, it was like, I go over there and there's so much crap in the chuck, like it won't even move. So I oh, pulled the man. chuck all apart, clean it all out real good, put it back together. And then I go walk halfway across the shop to the maintenance cart, grab a grease gun, Walk back over there. The grease gun's empty. Walk back oh, over to the maintenance Jesus. cart. Put a new cartridge in it. You know, it's just like... And then the the feed on the uh, carriage w- was, like, screwed up. So I had to pull that apart and fix that. And just, you know, little things like that that, you know, it just causes you to get nothing done. And, and sometimes it's really frustrating when you're, you know, you're super slammed and you're in a time crunch. And people are riding you to get stuff done, and then it's like every every time you turn around, you're cleaning up after someone or fixing something. Right. So, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Shane, but I thought, I mean, maybe I was under the impression, maybe it was the wrong impression, but I thought the majority of the people that were over there at your location was, you know, the equivalent to yourself and to, like, Paul and people that had a clue what was going on and how to take care of things, but... Apparently, you must have some people that are just, like, not giving a rat's ass or don't know how to change a grease cartridge. Uh, I mean, it's it's growing pains, you know. We've grown ridiculously fast in the last two years. And part of that is just, you know, throwing bodies at things and, and uh, hiring. And there's not much for talent in this area. Mm. And... Um, you know, it's the same thing as, you know, it's it's kind of weird because sometimes I, I feel like management, they don't really quite understand what exactly we do or, you know, how difficult it is. And, you know, they'll, you know, just look at something. And, oh, hey, this guy's got, you know, 20 years experience. He, he'd be great. And you start going through his resume and you call him in and you talk to him and you realize, well, he's got one year of experience 20 times over, you know. Mm. And, and, and so it, it, it makes it kind of difficult, but 
Yeah, you know, I hear you. We'll get there. All right. What about you, TC? What have you been up to, man? Uh, I just got back from a pretty cool little mini, not vacay, but a trip back to Dayton, Ohio, and uh, got on a plane in San Francisco, flew to Denver, and met up with the rest of the homies. We then flew into Dayton, and there was a, you know, it's, it's just totally right there downtown Dayton, uh, Akuma only at Gossiger and uh, old brick buildings and about 30 machines set up making stuff and uh, a lot of exhibitors and, and people, you know, in, in the other room. And it was, it was a really neat little show. I've been there two years ago and this year attendance was up even more and uh, it was good. We had great weather, so it was a good time. I saw you in the, in the golf cart cruising around drunk. Well, <laughs> how could you tell I was drunk by cruising around in the golf cart when I was one actually filming everybody else that was drunk in the golf cart? Oh, it's okay. Probably, I, made, I made an assumption. assumption. It was a good assumption, I thought. <laughs> well, if I was actually filming it correctly, then I wasn't totally drunk. But yes, we were taking the Dayton Uber to um, the freaking restaurant down the street, which is another story in itself. But the people that own Gossiger... And uh, all the buildings around it are, are they're doing very well. I mean, they're selling a ton of machines. And so the neighborhood's starting to kind of take a shit around them. And so basically they're buying all the buildings that are around them and refurbishing them. Uh, they're moving the parts department. I don't know if you guys saw my story or not, but me and this younger kid broke into the parts department and was trying to work that little machine that went up and down with all the cool shit in it. And we got, well, we got, we got attacked by the person that was actually in the parts department. Oh, well, I shouldn't say attacked, but. He asked us what the fuck we were doing, and we're just like, <laughs> chilling. It was on video, but anyhow, yeah, he's going to move that parts department over to another bigger building, and they're just buying all the stuff around them and refurbishing it and making it like their own. It's kind of like playing a Monopoly, I guess. The more money mm. you get, the more stuff you can buy, the more stuff you can fix. And the restaurant that we were taking that golf cart ride to, they were actually the landlords, and so they owned that building also. So it was kind of neat to see things transitioning back into good old brick buildings and all shined up and ready to roll. So do they, they, do they build machines there as well? No, they're just distributors, but they have machine tools there. You can come there. I mean, they have full automation, so you can watch a robot get hooked up to a machine and then have um, any machine that you want to be able to see uh, operate. Um, they have this new system called Load and Go, which is like a big-ass toolbox with drawers of slugs and a, and, a, and, a, and I did learn this while I was there. It's called Fanic because the Fanic guys were there, so we asked them. It's called Fanic, and the Fanic robots were loading the LTs and loading the LBs and flipping it around, loading the subs. So it's called Load and Go. They pull them out of a drawer, load all these slugs, put them back when they're done, shut that drawer, pour out the next drawer, do it over and over, and the operator can be in the back or whoever's walking by at the time. And pull out the drawer that's totally full of finished parts and put in slugs of new parts and shut the drawer. And the robot knows it when the drawer has been opened and shut that he can go back up to the top drawer and start loading again. So pretty cool shit. Nice. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. That sounds pretty sweet. Mm. Um, oh, well, let's, while you, I mean, we might as well carry on talking about your actual trip then, Tony, because you also saw some demonstrations while you're in Gossiger, didn't you? I did, matter of fact. So, I, this is like I said, this is my second time back there, and I flew back with some friends, and uh, we went the first day, and we toured, and we saw a lot of the brand new Akumas and stuff that was going on, 
And then my sales guy that took me back there, we, they had a little Sandvik booth. I mean, it was little compared to like IMTS or anything else. But there was some people there and some yellow coats and stuff. And and he goes, come over here and see these guys. And so I went over there and saw him. And he's oh yeah, well, Tony's been, he's a big Sandvik fan. And, you know, he's got a lot of Sandvik shit. And he uses a lot of Sandvik stuff. And so, so why don't you see if you got something here and you can show him. And so I started talking to one of the main dudes. And we were looking at some of the stuff he had on his table. And they had some, you know, PCD coated drills and they had, you know, silent bars and, and he asked me straight up, so have you ever seen Y axis part off work? And I said, Well, not in person, but I've seen it on, you know, YouTube videos and stuff like that. And some of my friends are actually implementing it into their machines right now. And so, but no, I have not. And he's like, Well, let's go over to this LB and and we got a demo going on right now. And I said, Okay. So he walked me over to this LB that was basically just all day doing the load and go. So it was a robot loading slugs into the chuck, taking slugs out of the chuck, flipping around. So it wasn't actually making anything, but they had it set up for double purposes. So if somebody wanted to see this Y-axis part off, they would stop what they're doing, interrupt it, put in a slug of material, and then call up the program to do some Y-axis parting. And so I thought, okay, this is cool. So this guy took me over there personally. I mean, I got a guy in a yellow coat, standing right to the right of me and we got a guy on the akuma uh, loading the freaking slug and he's like, okay so we're gonna load the slug and i'm bringing up the part off and basically it's touched off so it's gonna it's gonna scam this first time but it's not actually gonna cut anything and then it's gonna move in two hundred thousand so gonna part off a nice wafer it's okay cool so he called it up ran it down it skimmed it but it was a saw cut slug mind you so it's you know, I mean, as, as clean as a saw cut can be. And I didn't, I never watched this before, but Y axis parting is it comes down below center and then it comes up in X only. And it's supposed to be forcing all the pressure back in the chuck. And I guess you can haul ass on it. Well, when there's no material there to cut, the insert's not engaged. It's kind of rubbing the back of the blade. I mean, it's like three inch diameter part. The back of the blade was rubbing and it got cherry fucking red. Is a <laughs> and it got super hot, and I saw the glow, and then it went cold again because the coolant was on. And so the sandbag guy, he's like, right on my right, he's all, was that just rubbing and glowing? I go, it sure looks like it to me. And then it came down, up, shifted in 200 thousandths, dropped below center, lifted up, and then the motherfucking thing just <laughs> bent 90 degrees. I mean, because what had happened was the blade in the back got soft. Because it was hot, and it was bent so bad, as Jody would say, it looked like a soft cock. I mean, it was, <laughs> I wasn't about to say that. <laughs> we, I mean, we could have, when that thing was done, we could have done some face grooving with it. I mean, it was a 90-degree deal. And the Sanfit guy's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and we go, he opens the door, and the fucking thing's bent over and smoking, and I go, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's always when somebody's watching. I said, you know what, guys? I, I, I've been here, done that. I said, this shit happens. And it's like, um, you guys want to talk about what you think went wrong? And, and so it's true as shit. <laughs> what he should have done was he shouldn't have drug it up that saw cut face. Yeah. He, he totally. should have put the slug in and then moved in 200,000. Yeah, full know, engagement. Yeah. Full engagement because the insert wasn't even worn. The corner didn't even touch. The back of the blade yeah. rubbed. It got hot. It got soft. And then the next pass, it bent over. And it was embarrassing. Uh, the Sandnet guy, I think, was more embarrassed than the guy running the Akuma. 
But I said, you know what? I'll leave you guys alone to figure this out. But then later, I mean, here, and also, I'm, I'm let me back up a little bit. When that fucker was bent over like a soft cock, I <laughs> slid my camera out of my phone. I had it focused in big time. I go, this is going to be bitching. And I had it all dialed in. And I was ready to hit click. And it just for some reason, somebody told me to look over to my right. And he was looking at me, looking at my camera. And I go, ah, shit. I got more class than that. I'm not going to take this picture while the sandbag guy's looking over my shoulder at this soft cock pointing towards the chuck. <laughs> so I put my camera back in my pocket. And so this guy's, you know, the sandbag guy leaves. And the Akuma guy's trying to figure out what the fuck went wrong. And then so he goes, well, thank God I got a new blade. So he breaks that part of the blade off. And I think he flips the other end around. So I left and I came back. And then I, I retrieved that broken piece, which that's where the picture came from. And so... I was walking around the rest of the show, and people go, yeah, how's it going? I go, it's a good show. Are you like, cool, it's not a good show. He's like, have you guys seen that Y-axis parting off yet from Sandvik? I go, what? Well, yes, yes, I have. <laughs> and I slap that fucking thing in their hand, and they're like, holy shit, that's not what I was expecting. Is that from the Y-axis parting off? I go, yeah, but there's more to it than that. I said, we, he put a new blade in, and he shifted it in, and it, it ended up going up and parting off, and and doing a very fine job. And it does go faster than normal. And it is putting all the pressure back to the chuck. But this was just a mishap. I mean, you know, I mean, this is probably the first time today somebody asked this guy to call up this program and run that for somebody to watch. Because like like I said, it was just a robot loading slugs and transferring, you know, to show the load and go. Nobody was actually machining anything over there till I walked over there. And the guy did the right thing. And he touched it off and he was prick, but he should have been fully engaged for it to work. Yeah. Like, so me and yeah, the sandbag guy. Yeah. Go ahead. Why? Why were they going up the face? Were they trying to like clean it up and then show how you know straight the cut was by the, no. the thickness of it, or not at all? The Kakuma guy was just doing his job, and he thought you touch it off and run the pass and make sure everything was correct, and then it was going to shift over and engage. And and oh, I mean, okay. he hasn't had any experience, I don't think, with y-axis parting off. I mean. A blade's a blade. I mean, even doing that with just a regular blade parting off from a three-inch diameter down to zero, if you're not engaged, it's going to deflect. It's just a steel yeah. blade. And so, <laughs> and so, I mean, you got to also take for granted that in a show, you've got like 32 machines all tooled up and running, and you've got people in front of them. And, you know, things are what they are. I mean, you probably should probably prove this stuff a little bit better, but yeah, yeah the they never have guy. time for that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, here's the show. We got to get going. And, and like I said, this is the, probably the first time that somebody wanted to see the Y-axis part of going on the net. The robot was loading slugs, and it was a beautiful day. So I go over there because the Sandvik guy took me, and then we had a meltdown. But he got it back up and going. So that was on Wednesday. <laughs> on Thursday, I come back, and I'm in a different <laughs> hall. And we're on a different machine. We're on an LB4000 this time. And there's a slug. I mean, this guy's got a piece of material that's six inch diameter. And it's probably 28 inches long. And so they put a, a center drill in it. And they've got a tailstock in it. And they're getting ready to turn it. So I walk over at the point where... So, mind you, they're not trying to do, like, turning up and over, up and over. They're just going to engage. So it's six inch diameter. So they go, like, maybe halfway in it. And they're plunging with the prime turn. And they're creating like a V cavity in there, and then they're going to back up three inches and, and plunge with the prime turn and tor- turn towards the tailstock and do all this shit. Well, I got over there, and the part was halfway done. And I'm like, 
so what's going on with this? He's, oh, what's prime turn? And, and then all of a sudden, on my same shoulder, the same sandbag guy showed up again. And he's all, have you, have you seen this yet? And I go, once again, only in videos. Are you, you, must you, have, me- you must have started a name in Dr. Death. This is going to be very cool. I said, are you sure you want me to stay here? This is not going to fail. This is badass. I said, okay. So I said, well, why are we restarting this? He's all, well, from what I heard was we were doing the prime turn. We were engaging. We we're radiusing in and radiusing out. We we're only taking 20 thou depth of cut and it wasn't breaking a chip. It's not deep enough to make a break a chip. So I asked the guy at the Akuma, I said, well, what kind of material is this slug? And he's all, I'm not sure. They provided what? it, but I'm not sure what it is. I said, okay. But this guy's, <laughs> this, this, this guy's is in charge of the machine. Wow. And so Sam, it's like Russian and, roulette. So, so hold on. I should, probably, I should probably just take a time out here. So it's like, first of all, everybody in the podcast and you guys also know that I am a huge fan of Sandvik and Akuma. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not dissing anybody. No, 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 I'm just, no, no. I'm just trying to say. That we're all human and shit can go wrong at any totally. time of the day. And there's totally. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Like that maybe that wasn't a Sandvik guy over your right shoulder. And maybe that was like Hillbilly Hank in like a yellow jacket <laughs> over your right shoulder. <laughs> no, maybe Hank just didn't bring his jacket. <laughs> he was a real Sandvik guy. So he, he, he actually took the prime term inserts and he put them in my hands. This is the one we use for wrapping. I said, okay, so we can do this, we can do that, this and the other. And then this is the other one that looked like a little star face. He goes, this is the one we use for finishing. I goes, yeah, okay, I've seen that. So, okay, so he, what we did was we weren't taking enough depth of cut. We were doing 20. Now we're going to do 40. It's going to be bitching. And he's single. He's brought this all the way. You know how you, when you run a program, it takes a long time to get it back down to the diameter where you last had problems, and now you're ready to rock, okay? Because you, you can't just skip through the middle on this. So he's down there now. And he's ready to rock. And I'm down there with my face in the window. And the operator's got his face in the window. And the Sandvik guy with his yellow jacket's in the window looking over my shoulder. And he's, okay, so it's we're ready window. to rock. Yes. <laughs> well, I all the more to smash it with. <laughs> yeah. So they, the guy hits the button. The fucking prime turn comes over, comes down, hits that material, fucking breaks off and shoots towards the window. It didn't break the window, but it smacked that fucking window hard. And this Sandvik guy looks at me, and I look at him, and I go, you couldn't have fucking bet on this. He's all, you want to go to Vegas? (laughs) (laughs) I said, what are the fucking odds of you and me standing beside each other at two different machines and having complete failures on every one? (laughs) So here's the deal. Now, here's the deal on that one. They went back to the CAD cam guys, okay? And they said, let's change it from 20,000 depth cut to 40,000 depth cut. So the CAD cam gentleman reprogrammed <laughs> it. You come on, you can say, baby, it's okay. <laughs> I did not see who they were, so I'm going to say, gentlemen. They reprogrammed it, they re spit out the code, they put it in this poor fucking guy's machine. He come down, he looked at it, he loaded it, he ran it. The fucking spindle was turned the wrong way. Oh no! Oh, you yes. are kidding me. Nope, that's wow. why when it hit, it broke right the fuck off. Why didn't they just wow. change the depth of cut at the at the controller? Like what? They cut, why if it wasn't, you it's can't not a do that when you're like that. Not for prime turning. Oh, for prime turning because it needs its own 
Yeah, because you've got to go real slow entry and then speeds up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what yeah. I was going to say. Uh, obviously, Albert has experience in that. But like I said, you're radius in, you're radius out. There out. is no fucking yeah. hand cycle. That is yeah. total CAD can baby zone. You have to go and reprogram <laughs> it. And you have to spit up the code. And their code was right. They just didn't have the fucking spindle direction right, which unfortunately was pretty humiliating to everybody that was standing there by it. So here's the deal. They finally got that reversed, and they got the inserts back in, and they were running some parts, and and they and were making good quality stuff. There. It looked good, and the show was good. But I was still carrying around that broken piece of fucking part-off blade in my pocket and, 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 and just showing you know some of the guys that I was talking to. And so when it got time to leave that day, and I knew I couldn't get that shit through security, I walked back up to that sandbook booth, and that guy was talking to somebody. I just kind of tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, Hey, it's time for me to leave, and I realize I can't get this through security, so I'm going to give it back to you. And I pulled out of my pocket and put it in his hand, and he gave me the look like he didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> One, he didn't know how I got it. Two, he's like, why the fuck do you still have it? And three, how many people have you shown this? <laughs> I didn't, and the guys that were with me looked at him, and he goes, I think he fucking hates you. <laughs> <laughs> but I gave it back to him. And like I said, in a nutshell here, here's the thing. There's a lot of things going on. It's a show. People are trying to show stuff where they need it. And it's just shit can go wrong. And yeah. no matter, I mean, these guys are experts. The Sanfit guy's an expert. The Akuma guy's an expert. Probably the CAD CAM guys are an expert. But when you get all of this involved and you're trying to do stuff and make it right, there can be problems. So, I mean, that's just the trade that we're in and that's what we're dealt with and you just i just can say you could try to be as careful as you can but it's nobody's fucking can walk on water in this trade you it is what it is yeah but it's it, the thing is you know it's it's also reality and then the great thing was is that you sort of you everyone stops and you had enough you know brains around you to be able to say well what actually went wrong because you know, it's not that, oh, you could just instantly go, oh, it's the blade or whatever. But you track no. back and then you realize what the problem was and you rectify it. And that's sort of, that's how engineering is. You know, it's, that's, that's still yeah. cool as well. That's a good story. That was, ac- that was actually the best part was us figuring out why that blade bent like a soft cock or, you know, why <laughs> the, the prime turn broke off. And it's like, you had a lot of brain power there. And it's like, you know, it was pretty basic when you broke it down. But I mean, to have that kind of, I haven't been around that in a long time because you guys know I'm in my shop mostly by myself and I don't have, you know, any allies or camaraderies to discuss that type of shit with. And to be involved in something like that and trying to figure out what went wrong, it was kind of cool to solve the problem and, 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 and be involved with trying to fix it. So it was cool. I mean, I'm not that I was supposed to be, but I, I was there. Well, so. isn't that what we're here for? Yeah. That's right. Machine, tool, Therapy, fine. <laughs> right. Hey, yeah, uh, just that for, man. You solve your problems. <laughs> the um, so on the on the LB, uh, there was there was two things I, I, I questions that came instantly to my head while you were saying that. You know, consider it's a demonstration, and they would have proven that that type of material out with that y-axis part in with x amount of feed rate. You know, blah blah blah. Now, I would have assumed that they would have had sort of safety measures in place for when they know that they're going to apply the Y-axis part in. Or was it just totally, was it completely all done on the fly? Like, 
and what I mean by like you know like things like you know load monitor alarms and things like that you know that would have at least stopped the machine before it got to super soft cock status you know what I mean yeah I, I no that that wasn't where we were it was like mm. they had run the program and they approved I mean they had disk that they showed me they put in my hand before we actually started the machine and it had worked so somebody did do their job to do their homework but the whole skimming of the front of the bar that yeah hot at the back really fucked the poor guy up yeah that was a weird decision to do that though i wonder why yeah you know what i mean, like, well, that's, I mean not like I... A, that's not a normal thing you do is it you'd like you'd go oh i think i'm gonna skim the front end of this rough sawn slug with a part in you know i mean i've touched off i mean when i load bar stock and i'm sure a lot of guys out there listening to this probably have done the same thing but you know metal is a lot more serious than aluminum so say you cut yourself a 36 inch bar as two inch diameter you shove it through the collet and you set your zero and you bring your your number one over and you're going to skim it and you're going to set your zero shift your zero set offsets but if it's a saw cut and you're only like taking five or six thou it's just going as you're facing down i mean it's nasty it's rough but if you're in your 30, it's smooth because you're fully engaged. There engaged. is no interrupting. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So that was yeah. the problem with this blade. I mean, the blade is a lot more flimsier than like a CNMG stick tool with a insert in it. And it just, it just, yeah, it got done. And the thing was, it didn't have a chance because it didn't start at the top of the diameter and feed down. I mean, the y-axis thing, the whole story is you drop down below center, go straight to X0 and then lift up. So the only thing touching was the blade about three inches up. And mm. it just freaking cut a nice notch in it, got it all nice and hot and softened it. And the next time it didn't it didn't have a chance. What was the yeah. bar stock size again? What was the stock what was the size? About three inch, three and a half. Right. It just yeah, seems okay. to me like the like when they do those shows and those demos, they should prove everything out, but I feel like those guys are generally pretty rushed to throw some demos together and they're probably working on multiple machines and multiple programs and things like that do happen. Like I've definitely heard some stories about people doing that at IMTS, like crashing a machine, like before the show started and having to cobble something together just to like kind of have it presentable for the show. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I kind of had the feeling about this poor guy that was actually running the Akuma was, He's like, he was probably informed, like, load this slug, call up this program, and set the zero. And he did. But I think where it went wrong was that somebody didn't already automatically shift that in 200,000. I mean, it would be money ahead to accidentally make a 300,000 wafer versus a 200,000 wafer. You know what I'm saying? If it went uh-huh. in too far in Z. I mean, you're not going to fail. You could probably fucking part off a half inch with that thing. No big deal. Uh-huh. But the fact that you skimmed it, I mean, it's not like he did anything different with the program. He just called up the program, called up the zero, and ran it. And then, yeah, it, that's what that's what killed it. But I mean, you did. He did get it going in the end, and did show you how that it's sort of how it can work. Yeah, after, apparently, after it, yeah. it looks to me like it is a hell of a lot faster. I mean, it looks like it is a good process. I mean, I have one machine that is a y-axis, and I part off a lot of two-inch stainless. So I'm kind of thinking about trying to implement it and see if I can't get through my, my parts a little mm. bit quicker. What's your, what's the, um, what's the total y-axis on, on that lathe? What's the total travel on your y-axis? You know, that's a good question. Usually, I don't know. It's usually about four, I think on what, what machine do you have that you're talking about? 
it's it's the LT ten MY, so I don't know how high it lifts. I mean, I really don't. I thought it was usually like plus or minus two off the center, unless you got like some gigantic machine like an LB. I mean, the the total the total the total. You're right. Is normally you know you're saying four inches, say hundred mil. Like that's 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 pretty much right. But when you're using Y axis, you lose essentially about sort of twelve mil or or half inch like total yeah. on diameter because yeah. it has to be offset by X amount to be able to use. So, so I, this is the only time, like you would have seen that obviously I've started using the, the Y axis part in for a particular job where the, the bar stock is less than three inches, which works really well. But if we want to use, if I wanted to do a four inch bar stock, which the machine can take the Y axis can't, you can't do it because it won't oh. it can't clear the path gotcha. so it's, it, you know so like you've it's i guess it's horses for courses you've got to find the right you know if you're doing heaps of parting and you know that you got the clearance to do it then i think absolutely it's worth a go you know like if you've got a a, a production environment like why is parting just in standard sort of job shop stuff i, I just don't see that you're going to get the real benefits out of it me personally <laughs> right yeah, hey, I, I guess you're exactly right. I mean, it all depends on how much y-axis travel you have. You're going to be limited. I mean, once you learn that, though, and it's like, okay, we max a good part off is two and a half with y-axis, you'll know that. I mean, you can document yeah. that. And when you go to a three-inch bar, you just throw in a straight blade or whatever and come come straight down on an old-school fashion. But, yeah. Yeah, I guess the other thing is I never thought maybe, like, to keep it, you know, because I've been trying to really look at how to standardize everything within certain machines because they're going to run – you know, high volume product, and when you turn them over, I don't want, I don't want the guys to fuck around with them too much. So right. I guess one one way around that could be to to groove for, you know, three quarters of an inch, and then switch around into a Y axis, which you're not really going to save anything, but at least you don't have to worry about the guys changing blades in and out. You know what I mean? Maybe that's. Yeah, I mean, it could save on your routine, but yeah, your cycle time is probably going to be the same at that. Point. Yeah. 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 But certainly for the, the one, you know, the, the, the trial that we've been doing for the past week, you know, we've, yeah, like I said to you guys, you know, we've, we've basically had a, a 17% increase overall on total output for that right. product coming out. So that's been huge. I mean, that's, that's, you know, and all we've done is just change a blade and, and, and attack it differently, which, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. I think so. But what the prime turn in? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I has know, anybody man. has anybody heard? I mean, I'm I'm not gonna be a negative Nancy on this, but I and I told the guys before they even actually fired it up. I said, he goes, "What do you think about prime turning?" I go, "Well, I think it's everything backwards that any old school grandpa motherfucker thinks about." I said, "Last oh, yeah. thing you want to do is try and rip the part out of your chuck. Last thing you want to mm-hmm. try and do is turn backwards with this fucking fragile little starfish looking insert." I said, there might be a time and a place for it, but holy fuck, I just don't know where that place is. It's, it's, I've yet to see it. I'd I mean, say here, it's got to be, got to be shaft work, surely. You know, people. That well, that's what they were shaft. working on. They were working yeah. on this great big shaft, and they were trying to create cavities in the middle of it. And what they were doing, in my opinion, was fucking stupid. What I would have done, <laughs> I would have grabbed, I would have grabbed a nice sandvit groove tool, and I would have came down and fucking ran. A grooving cycle, boom, 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 boom. And then I would have come down with a nice either a 35 degree or just a straight DNMG on center and plunged it like a spool. 
I probably could have beat him. I probably would have been done before that prime turn would have been done. It doesn't seem all that drastically different than using like a V a V style insert. Exactly. Mm. It, it looks it looks very like application specific. Like I was, I watched what? some of the videos and they were making. Uh, it looked like like uh, pinion gears, right? And just roughing this thing out, like it it was fast. Like I don't I don't think you could beat it with conventional like you know turning with a CNMG or a WNMG or anything. But you know that's that's kind of a you know like you said it, it's shaft work and and it. It if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, yeah. yeah, I think you're right though. Like super application specific. Like it, yeah, you know, they I don't want to knock it. I think it's material specific too, though. Too Albert. I mean, you could probably do something in, you know, steel or aluminum. But I mean, you're going to get into something harder. I don't know if it's like this. These guys were having a hard time breaking the chip, and I think they thought they had 1018 in that machine, but the shine they were getting off the finish, it looked more like stainless to me. And then, it, it, I, I mean, nobody, don't quote me on that, but if somebody accidentally gave them a, a couple of slugs of the wrong shit and they're trying to make this stuff happen, I mean, in San Vic and Akuma's defense, I mean, it's like, if you're going to treat it like 1018 and all of a sudden you're fucking working on 316, mm. maybe that's why you got blue chips. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. Hey, Yo, what's going on, Shane? Did you know I'm grilling burgers and nothing but my barbecue vest? <laughs> Excellent. Have you got any stains on it yet that aren't barbecue related? Ooh, no comment. Plead the fifth. <laughs> now, I know that everyone out there has some amazing topics that they want to share with us. Now, you've got a, you've got something you'd like to ask the, out the guys and girls out there. Yeah. I know you guys want to get involved, so let's hear what you have to say and what you want to hear us talk about. So send us a DM with your questions or topics, and you might just hear us talk about it. And where, where are they going to do that? On Instagram, at Machinist Therapy Hotline. Boom. Right oh, I need to let you get on with your barbecuing, and we need to get on with the podcast. So, without further ado, let's go. Get on with the podcast. I do see a lot of these tool companies. They they like primarily all their new stuff. It always starts out with with steel. Yeah, and that always kind of weirds me out because I don't I don't know really anybody that does a lot of you know carbon steel work. Midwest. That's what they always yeah. say. They say everybody back there that makes automotive and, and everything else is all. I mean, that was my biggest thing with Sandvik was like, you have all these new grades coming out for freaking steel. You have all these drills for steel, 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 steel. I said, what about fucking stainless? Oh, yeah, well, we're working on that. And they have been. And stuff's what been was coming that? out. They had that, that fucking cube insert looking thing. I don't know. I saw what it, was that I don't thing? know anything about it. Yeah, yeah they he came our guy came by and he was showing me that, but they only had had steel grades for it. And he's like, Oh, you can, you can still use it in stainless and so Oh yeah, yeah I know. I'm not yeah. gonna bother. No, you, like if you're turn if you're using that thing and you're going up to any kind of shoulder, like you've got to use a completely different strategy, like step it all the way down and, and it, otherwise it will just fucking blow to bits. 
Like it's just, it's just, it's like it's like trying to turn with Lego. Like what the fuck? You know what I mean? That's yeah. That's another stupid idea. <laughs> Wait, nobody. <laughs> no, don't quote us on stupid ideas. Nobody said that yet. <laughs> no, true. Uh, I'm I'm full of stupid ideas. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well we'll take that one. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, while we're still on you, Tony, so you, they, you said about automation, and I, I actually thought maybe about talking a little wee bit about automation as well, just because you know, what's the first thing you think of when you when someone says automation? What's the first thing I think of? I think of somebody setting up a FANUC robot and a way to pick up material and load it and unload it. But the thing about a robot is it's going to do it the same every time. And so when you get a robot that's loading your parts, what, I mean, if you're loading the aluminum, you more power to you. You don't have to worry about tool life management or load monitor shit like that. But if you've got a whole freaking system of drawers where this robot is opening one drawer and pulling out, you know, 25 slugs and loading them and then this, that, and the other, you're going to have to figure out a way to keep track of your tooling. But, uh, I'm a fan. I just never have actually had a chance to implement that in my shop yet because I've never had the quantities. I mean, one of the examples, like when I run them exhaust tips, you guys have all seen. I mean, we make those at a thousand at a time. But, you know, it's it's not that much of a, you know, when you go to buy the material and, and then you machine the part. I mean, it's not a huge money maker. You can make money off of it, but. At one point, you've got to try to sit down and do the math on paper. And like, if I buy this robot and I buy this drawer system that can put all these slugs in, and this thing will run nonstop, and I'm not paying it medical, dental, or any insurance, it's not taking any breaks at all, and it never complains, and it can run while I'm at home spending some time with the family, it becomes a whole new ball game. So, hmm. I, I I'm a fan. I just. I, I don't know that I've been big enough to implement it, but I think I'm seeing a few signs where I might be able to. And and the, what I saw this this last couple of days was you can grip on a lot of different things, whether it's square, round, whatever size it is. I mean, I think it's the next next thing that needs to happen. And especially like we've all talked about trying to find good help. We've all tried to find about people that show up on time or, or can change toilet paper after they take a dump. I mean, my, the robots aren't going to take a dump, so we're good there. But, I mean, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's I think the it's, way to I go. I think it's, a, it's, it's also about finding something that's, especially in, like, a job shop environment, like something that's versatile enough to be able to change over from, like, you know, job A to job B to job C, like, relatively easily. Well, that's the thing that with this show, I mean, everybody knows, you know, the Fanuc robots and they can come in and set you up something to run nonstop. But this this system that I saw load and go with the Fanuc robot is like they're trying to keep it under 100 grand, closer to 90. And it can do all kinds of stuff. So if you figure about what you're paying your average operator per year, mm. at, you know, at 90 grand, I mean, how long is it going to take to recoup that? Well, the pendulum. Well, the pendulum's pendulum swung, isn't it? Because you go back ten years ago, and you know the biggest the biggest cost was your capital for you know the machine, and now like labor is really like machines are really for what you get are much cheaper than what they've ever been. You know, you can you can buy a pretty decent machine for 
not not a lot of capital and yet the labor then to run them is what starts to make it unviable so therefore i guess that's when you look at this type of click and play robot robotic arm automation system to, to sort of compensate that yeah i see how i see where you're going that's yeah but then but then also you know a lot of people even yourself tony like for me i go automation i think i i go bar feeder that's the first that's a that's the first piece of automation you you could possibly put on the lathe, isn't it? You know, and throw something bar, through the door. Bar feeder and a parts catcher, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a pretty good one. And then you go, okay, well actually, I need to at least put an, like a parts accumulator on it, and that's right. Although you've still got to process the parts afterwards. I mean, you still are going to have to process the parts afterwards once, even when a robot takes them out. You know, so it's kind of like in a lathe situation. I think a bar feeder and a parts catcher is. Is actually really like it's the quickest way to automate a machine. Like really simple. Well, I mean that's the way I bought mine too. I mean I bought mine with parts catchers, obviously, and then you know they have bar feeders on them also. But I mean they'll bar feed two inch. But if you're loading three, three and a half inch and a chuck, that I mean that's kind of where it changes things up. Where you would need a robot to load it. So then you kind of I guess you have to try and figure out the time cycle time and the way. You know the, the the math on. Hey, is it better to have this guy hand loading this shit in the chuck, or should I be like bar feeding it through the spindle? And you know that's it's a fine line. I mean, that's not my expertise, but I think if you got a robot doing it and and repetitiveness, I I don't know. I mean, it's just it's 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 so many things, so many variables. There's so many variables. I don't employ. Like- I wanted to bring up too, like you, you were really quick to mention like an actual robot, like a robotic arm, but there's like other types of robotic automation, like, especially when it comes to milling, like, you know, a pallet changer or something like that. Yeah. True. Like this is, this is something like uh, the first person that I thought of was a Dennis, Dennis Rathy or or whatever. Um, Yeah. He's got like a couple of grobs with, some like uh pallet loaders and actually so does that the uh, kyle kcs machining i think he just got a grab too with like a, a pallet loader and you know he's got this huge pallet pool with i think it's like an aroa um like pull stud system on the bottom and you can just basically have like all these different vices or fixtures or whatever loaded up in here and you can program these all as like different jobs and just like kind of like schedule them to run um you know, so it's kind of it's kind of like automation, like what you're talking about, just in like a slightly different way. Yeah, no, I've I've worked at a shop that had uh, a, a a Toyota horizontal, and it had um, pallet changers that probably had twenty different pallets on it. So, it, you know, it's no big deal. It was a long time ago. You program the machine to run, and it would do. I mean, you had like a you know, 100, 150 tools. And it could do everything from like square parts one time to doing round parts the next. And it would pick up the pallet, put it away. The robot would slide down the railroad tracks, pick up the next one, bring it down, load it, and swing it around. I mean, yeah, that that's automation also, and that's awesome. And I think, I mean, that's more of a round lights out. I mean, you program what you want. You got all your tools. You got redundant tooling in case that one gets dull, or you set it for yeah. how many parts you want it to run. Our low monitor kicks off and says this one's getting dull. Go to the next one. I mean. That's how money's made. Yep. Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah. I guess um, you know, every every time we 
go to IMTS or one of these shows, there are more and more machine tools dealers that are showing off their integrated automation so, like uh, systems, you know. And, mm-hmm. and of course, the more and more those come in, the cheaper and cheaper it will get because it's supply demand. And yeah, maybe you won't have these problems that you've had recently, Shane, you know, with people just fucking up because instead exactly. you'll just be, you'll be, you know, you'll have another skill set because you'll need to understand how the robotic system works or automation system, should I say, works instead. Well, uh, I, I'll say in, Shane, in Shane's defense, excuse me, like I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, like Shane, you guys don't run like a huge volume of parts. And no, so not to, at all. Like, have this like level of robotic integration for like, you know, making two of this or five of this or whatever, like it's, that's really challenging to integrate because you, you do have like this huge cost of buying the robotic integration, whatever it may be like a pallet changer or bar feeder or whatever. But if you can set it up and you're only running like a couple pieces, it, it kind of doesn't make sense. You really do need skilled labor for stuff like that. Yeah. The, what we're looking at to try to kind of get around that, I think is we're going to, really look hard at, at getting rid of our turning centers and replacing them with integrexes. Um, because now that we have the one, like it, it's, I mean, the setups, once you get it tooled up, the setups are much quicker. Cause now you're, you know, instead of being limited to 12 tools on a turret, now you have 110. Mm-hmm. Um, and hey, so yeah, it absolutely makes sense for you guys. And so, I mean, you, you, we we have a, a lot of parts that are kind of in a in a family and they're just like basically the same design just scaled like six different times in various increments and uh i looked really hard at it about i think it was about a year and a half ago um before we got the our the last turning center we got and i think i came up with it was like 96 or 97 part numbers that we could run on that um, based upon the tooling capacity and then what the bar capacity was. Mm. And uh, it it was a pretty good uh, amount of workload for that thing. And, and it would, I mean, I put a lot of time into, into figuring all this out and it it would basically be busy all year just with those part numbers. Um, And then, you know, if you want to get real simple with it, you know, you take, okay, let's just load up two inch bar stock in a bar feeder. And that way you're just buying one size. You know, a lot of the inserts now you can run it so fast. It, it peels it off of there pretty quick. Um, and then there, you basically take your setup down to really nothing. Mm. I mean, I think that any, you know, any machine that's got an ATC, like in terms of, you know, tool setups and everything else. I mean, that's, that's the way as well to save time, isn't it? When you have all, you got all this, this entire tool bank virtually set up on, on core tools that you're going to use. And you know that you can go over there, set a chuck up, set the subspindle up and put your material in and you're almost ready to go. Unless you've got some real specialized tool that needs to go in. But like for me, that this is the, these are the types of machines that, well, virtually just ordered one. Um, yeah, that, the ATC is is worth heaps for me, you know? Yeah, and I mean, what we have seen is kind of the, 
I guess you could call it like the dirty little secret is, you know, it takes longer to change that tool than for, you you know, a turret to back off two inches, spin around real fast and then, you know, fly right back down there. And so, but I mean, one way you can get around that is they have flash tooling. So you Mm -hmm. can hold like three stick tools on one tool and then it just indexes the milling spindle around to the next tool. Yeah, so, I mean that's one way, and then you can get into the lower turrets and things. But I don't know. Let's we'll see what happens. That's, that's the only downfall I've heard of any machine like that, whether it's Integrex or Maltus or whatever it was. the The transition was just so slow. I mean, if you had an LT two thousand and you were running the same part with two turrets and a part catcher and a bar feeder, that ultimately you were going to get that part off faster. Yeah, but I mean, if you're running, you know, less than 20 parts, right? You're you're making up for it by having virtually no setup time. You're you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. You know, we we have we have a specific part, and it uh, on one side it uses four radial live tools, Mm -hmm. and I think three axial live tools, and then on the second op it's like eight ID tools. So you have to, every time you make it, you have to load up all these live tools for the first stop, run it, you know, dial them all in. And then you have to yank all of those out and put ID stations in. Yeah. But you're talking then, about a single turret machine, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's not even really actually fair to, to judge, but still I hear you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if you've got a twin turret machine, you, it's, it's, it is totally different. But also, just in on the automation, then, like if you've got a, a higher volume product, like an LT is a phenomenal machine. And, you know, we've got, I've got three LTs that have overhead gantry loaders. So they're constantly taking, you've got a carousel that sits to the side, comes and picks up the raw material, and it's super quick, quicker than a robotic arm would ever be the door doesn't have to open it's just a real simple you know close uh, open close sort of uh, <coughs> trap door on the top of the machine but you still have to stop the machine when you want to change any of the inserts so if you've got an automation system that's sitting in front of uh, an integrex or an ntx or a Maltus or whatever at least somebody can be changing the inserts out to the side and not interrupt while the machine's going yeah yeah, yeah and you can get you can get the integrexes with a gantry too there's a, a local shop that has a couple of them yeah 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 there's okay. there's more than one way to skin a cat for sure yeah. i mean it's it's like i've seen i've seen videos of one vietnamese guy in between two two axis lathes and one air hose Loading and unloading parts like a motherfucker. He's doing off one at one side. <laughs> yeah, I've and seen that. Yeah, and he's kicking ass. He's probably gonna blow away any twins but on integrate. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, that's that was my only point was there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, I guess yeah. It just it depends on what's best for your company or what you guys got going on, or simplicity like what Boomer's saying. I mean, like we're gonna set this up. We're gonna feed two inch stock, and if it comes out a half inch bushing, fucking who cares? It's mm-hmm. all good. You know, I, I get all that, and it's it's a lot to think about. It really is. I guess I guess as well. I mean, we 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 talked about this uh, like on some of the earlier podcast episodes where 
you know, when you're buying a machine or whatever, you should be buying the right machine for the jobs that you want to run on it, you know, and, and, and that's, that, that comes all the way back to the beginning again. Like you, you get, if you get everything set up correct from the beginning and you got the right parts, it, it doesn't matter what, if it, you know, someone else is doing it slightly different, as long as it works for you, that's always key, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is key, but you need your salesman to direct you in the right yeah. way. And you yeah, really need true. help and guidance because I've had, like the first star, I've, I've said this before, the first star I had put in here, oh, yeah, we're going to get this for you, blah, 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 blah. Well, they took that fucker out and flew in another one. It was like, I didn't have a really great feeling about that because, you know, like, you told me you're going to do it with this one, and all of a sudden, I'm telling you, you're not. And it's like, Jody, you've said that in the past, like, you really want people that have your back to understand you, what you want and what you yeah. need and can, can yeah. get in there. Yeah, and not every time. salesman is like that. No, not at all. No, some not of them just want to make a quick buck. And I've, I've seen both sides of that. I've had like awesome salespeople that I'm like like personally friends with. And then I've had salesmen that literally just wanted to sell you a machine and they don't like really give two shits about what's going to happen to your company or anything like that. So... Yep. especially like when you're buying something bigger like an integrex or something like that like that's that's a big chunk of change and that's going to kind of almost dictate the direction that your company's going because you want to make sure you're properly utilizing that machine you know you're not going to buy an integrex and just do like two axis production turning it wouldn't make sense mm, no you basically great. if you're buying an integrex you're basically buying a house and trust me you'll be paying property taxes on it Every year, like you are buying a house, so you better mm -hmm. make like sure. Like a nice house. Exactly, you better make sure it's what you fucking want. Like three of my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I must admit, because I've been going through this whole process, like uh, over the past couple of months, as you guys are aware, with the the Akuma guys and the DMG guys, you know, and it's it's eye watering. You look at it and go, I can't live in this thing. I can't sail on it holy shit that's this it's this massive piece of capital that's it's so expensive but you know in this day and age you you need it for well like I said, unless you're doing two acts of stuff in which case you're not buying one of those things and if a salesman's selling you one of them then you're going to be out of business pretty soon yeah but you know what it's kind of hard to take you seriously because you're the guy that fucking is air freighting shit to the united states for fucking millions and millions and millions of dollars I think you should be able to buy every whatever fucking machine you want. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> oh, I, but no matter yeah. what. No, no, no. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. No, but, no matter what. On no, no matter what size the company gets, you still have. You know, like I don't own the company, but I have an obligation to make sure that you get the best value for what. The machine is to what you're trying to do you can't just go and go oh, i'm just going to go and buy fucking 10 makinos and you know what it's awesome because we know we're going to make x amount of dollars you you i just don't think it works like that well, for, well, well certainly for, for us it doesn't you know if you find yourself in a tight spot and you're trying to figure out which way to go it's all about who sends you the most ink pens <laughs> that's right <laughs> or baseball caps yeah True, true. <laughs> just uh, like actually, just one one more thing. Well, I just want to. I'm gonna go full circle again. So back to the y-axis. Wait, does that y make this a the full circle? Does that make this a circle jerk? It must be a. I, it, we're, we're talking about a circle jerk donut love. So we, <laughs> and that what the, what this has always been? <laughs> exactly, Boomer. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs>
It's like, like if we if we were in a circle, you go, you're in me, I'm in you, you're in me, I'm in you. Whoa, whoa. whoa. No, no, that's a Is reach that around, bro. That's a reach around, buddy. That's no, not a reach around. Like... That's a that's a connected donor. <laughs> that's a daisy. Can we just get America. back to can we just get back to talking about donkeys here? Oh, Why, sorry, we... no, no, no. You can't talk Aww. about the donkeys. I've got to go and you... sort out those fuckers in a minute. I as think well, but... you might have actually embarrassed Albert for a second. <laughs> no, that no, is impossible. Okay. I bad. think, yeah, he literally <laughs> has. Uh, he has a gimp room, and he does a pretty good job one. of that himself. <laughs> a gimp room? Holy shnikes! <laughs> Holy shnikes! What the hell is that? Oh, obviously you haven't seen Tommy Boy. Come on, yeah. man. Sorry, man. You're um, fucking lacking. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> so, um. Sorry, going back to <laughs> the y-axis. Got it. y-axis yeah. again. Y-axis again. Why um, ask why? Why ask why? So, uh, I was I, I. You guys also listen to different podcasts, just like um some of our well, most of our listeners do as well. So you know, it's good to hear all the what are, all the other guys are doing. And I was listening to. John Saunders and Grimsmo the other day on Business of Machine and they were or John was Saunders was talking about a a Y axis Haas that also yeah. had a half indexing option. Okay, and he so wanted what, to put Capto tooling in. So I, I kinda got to thinking like what why would you need both? What well, what's he making? That I don't know. I don't know. Is it production but, uh, but, uh, or is it like one off or I mean? Uh, I, I mean, he didn't say. I mean, I because I obviously I DM'd him on the Instagram, but I just well, said, then, oh, you know, well, why then, why would you need the half index in if you have the Y? That's, that's okay, a good question, so. actually. I know DC used for that half indexing too. Now they do. Now the, 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 the flip side is that obviously I know a little bit about Stanvik tooling just from uh, my few years that I used to work for them. And when you've got, if you want to use, oh no, let me back the track up a little bit more. So, okay, half indexing, I get if you're just purely want to utilize a few more extra spaces on your 12 station turret becomes a 24 station turret. Yes. Because... Instead of the uh, turret indexing at 30 degrees, it can index at 15 degrees, you know? So when you have a tool block on there with two, like, inch-shanked tools on, they, right. they're sitting at a funny angle, you know? Like, that's... Yeah. I, I kind of get that. But when you start putting a Y-axis on, there's, like, there's so many companies, and I'll, I'll talk about Samvic for a minute, like, the Capto portion that goes on a y-axis machine if you want to like we do on the dmg i've got four capto tools on one position of the turret so we've already quadrupled that portion of the turret but Correct. you can't but you can't use a y-axis tool a capto tool on a half indexing machine mm. like you can't 
They well, could've... the Sandvik one. Someone might make one. Well, no, no. So if you want, as, if you want to half have half index, if you have, you can put a capto. You can put a capto on a half index tool, but because the capto tool has to be set on center line, right? For for the turret, and then the next capto tool will set underneath it. But because of the way the clamping system works on the capto unit, that then interferes with the next tool station below, which can mean that you can't almost use it. Okay, it's, so this is really, I see what you're saying. This is yeah. a really good good topic because when I was back in Dayton, Velocity Tool was back there with a huge fucking booth. And they have some I don't know if you guys are familiar with them or not, but they have some really nice stuff like that. And they're geared around Akuma based turrets. So the Akuma used to go twelve stations and I don't know what they're up to now, but it's a lot. So I was drooling over one block that was just a static holder that actually VDI'd into one station. So you had mm-hmm. three fucking ER-20s. Boom, 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 yep. boom. So you could spot drill, drill, and tap in one station. But it had to be a Y-axis because obviously you can't rotate to that station, even if you were a half index and use all three of those. And they even had a motherfucking live tool that did that. One station, boom, rotated. All three things were live tools. So if you yeah. couldn't do it static, you could do it live. But it had to be Y-axis because you had to get on center, like my man Jodis just said. Yeah. So I mean, it wasn't. You know, this is not a criticism on on any behalf. I just it just it intrigued me that like you would like you would have a half induction option. And a y-axis option, like you know, in my head, I'm kind of well, I, I would, I, I would only like if I'm going to have an m-function turret, I would always say you should specify it with a y-axis because you get so much out of that, you know. But to also then have a half index in option, just well, seems really you, well, redundant. Well, maybe you'll gain more. I haven't looked into it, but maybe you could gain more with. I mean, obviously, you need a y-axis because you've seen how that works with your quad station on tool one. You got four yeah. captos. You can yeah. go up and down. But I mean, maybe a y-axis with a half index. I mean, I don't know because I haven't looked. But maybe you can gain more than just y-axis. But you can't like the you know, of course, because I'm using. And again, I'm only saying this in the sense that, like, if you want to use a capto tool on that on that tool station. It right. just you can't use a y-axis tool like on a on a half indexing machine like for for a capto tool. It yeah, then needs to. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? Yeah. I see what you're saying. I think I think there is. I mean, there is some confusion here. Is it's it's a it's it's kind of kind of a pickle. It seems a little redundant. Like it seems like a half index turret would be best suited for something that's like with no y-axis. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know if, if you're you can just jump. if you're trying to double your capacity. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you can up the ante by ha- having a half index turret and a Y axis. I don't know if it behooves you to be any better than that. Yeah, you're right. But I think yeah. that, like you know, having the Y axis gives you some more freedom too, because like you were saying, Tony, you could <clears throat> you could run like those velocity tool holders, and you could get like a triple live station it, because. Yeah. You don't need to stay like. I guess you don't need to stay coaxial with the radius of the turret. Yeah, correct. Yeah, 
Yeah, because so yeah, you can be down. So the half, the half, so the half index has to stay coaxial. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. So, you, so, so that's you, where you, the salesman needs to make sure that you know. Because if let's say you bought a half index, so the sales guy's lost already. Yeah. So well, if you've got here, here. if you if, if if you're saying right, you can have a y-axis turret with a half index option, and then you go out and go thinking. Okay, I'm going to buy these Y-axis tools because oh, that's cool because I can also use them in a half-indexing situation. It won't then work. Okay, so here's the deal. I mean, I looked at those bitchin' three-station three bolted-on-the-one-spot deals, but I didn't talk to the Velocity guy. I mean, we could all be potentially wrong. I mean, obviously, if you put that thing on tool 12 and you index down to tool 12, the, first, the one in the middle is going to be on center. No y-axis, no half index, no nothing needed. But so if you want to go to the one below it, you're going to shift up in y-axis. I guess you could shift up in y-axis and drop down in x and still hit it, right? Wait, run that one more time. Okay, so you got a three-station. I'm still processing over here. Okay, so say, say you've got a toolbox that bolts onto the turret. Boom. And it's got three ER-20 holders so bolted in there. A spot drill, a center drill, and a tap. So you bring it down to tool 12, and that's the basic one. Tool 12 is tool 12. It comes down X0, and it spot drills it. So then you come back at 100 thou. What do you do next? You, do you, you don't have to index it, right? Would you be able to move up the Y-axis and then maybe have to back up and I mean, It's not going to rotate on center. If you follow me, I mean, you got three freaking holes. You mean and like on ro rotate on center? Of I see the what you're saying turret. because it's gonna have to be the, it's gonna have to index at like the same radius as your turret is. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know if you need a half index with a y-axis to make that work or not. I mean, I'm, this is out of my element, but I mean, you're gonna. It could be. I mean, you can't. You can't. You're not going to rotate another station. You're not going to go to tool 11. You're not going to go to tool 1. So you're going to leave it on tool 12. But you need to do something to get them other two stations to touch. So if you go up in y-axis, okay, you might have the right height, but you're not going to be online anymore. No, you would be. No, you wouldn't. Because they're in a square. No, it's not. It's a freaking, it's a tool hold block that bolts on with three ER-20 holders in it, and they're, and they're curved like the turret. Yeah, you're, oh, you're, what you're saying is that you've got different X offsets for each one of those stations, basically. They're different yeah, X-0. Yeah, so how do we get to X-0? Uh, I see. So, but that, so, so that tool holder then must be relevant for somebody with a half index, because yes. it, they, all three tools yeah. must be turning at the same time. They must be all They'd rotating be... when when they're going. The well, holders live, would have to yeah. be built different. Like if it, it was live, if, if you've got a half index uh, turret or whatever, you'd need a specific tool block for a half index turret. But if you just had like a Y index, then you'd have a different style holder. But basically. I, I I don't th mm. I don't think you can if you half if you half index your turret, can you yep. still use a live tool? I can't well, see how you well, would. No, hold on. Take it back. I mean, don't even use a live tool. Like I was saying, you got one block bolted on the tool 12. You got three ER20 static holders in there. You yep. got a spot yep. drill, a drill, and a tap. Yep. You're going to rigid tap that. So you yep. come down, you spot it in the middle. I mean, just take tool 12. The very middle tool is a spot drill. So piece of cake. Come down, X0, 
boom, boom, back up. Now what do you do? You want to get to the drill, so you can't just you can't you, the rotation's out. So you come down in X and shift up in Y, or how do you get to center again? So, but if this is for if you're going to use one of those on a on a radial plane, like yes, that, that's, yeah, okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. Three three in one holder on a radial yeah. plane. Yeah, you might have to half index it. But this, I mean, this is when you say, well. You you either have one or the other, you know what I mean? True. Like you you either go right. I'm only going to use. I'm only going to have the, the the half index instead of the Y. But like to me, I go well. If you got the Y, why why you, I still don't see why you'd need a half index. It's, I don't know. Should have just bought you... Integrex, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> We're still waiting for that tool to change. This is like literally the, the, the point point one percent chance that somebody would ever need to <laughs> to set something like this up. Yeah, yeah. We, need to, we need to we need to get to the bottom of this. Damn it! What's that? Uh, there's a picture and it's like a Mori lathe, and it's got like sixty four tools on one turret. Have you seen oh, that like thing? The MT. Uh, it's like an MT Italian. Uh, Italian live tooling company. They make like really nice live tools. Yeah. I know which picture you're talking about, Shane. Let's Maybe get him on the podcast. To... Yeah, let's get him on the podcast. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to know some answers. Do we need half indexing with the freaking y axis or what's going on? Break it I, down. I think this is good. Like when we, when we sort of, you know, when we're questioning these things, I mean, this is. This is also what it's about, isn't it? Because other people will be questioning the same stuff. They'll go, well, well yeah, I wonder this why is, they're this doing is, that, you know? This is shit we don't know. Yeah. And somebody does know. It would be cool to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> move on. Shane, what we have you got? So just for the record, we don't have the answer to that one. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a big, we have a big question mark around everything. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to figure it out, goddamn. You know what? You know who we need to get on this? Boomer knows. Who? Come on, man. Oh. Hillbilly Hank. God. Oh, I thought you were going to say the carbide cowboy. No, Hillbilly Hank will figure it out. I'll get you yeah. answers. All right. Hillbilly Hank. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> And that is the end of episode 12. Thanks again for streaming this into your ear holes. So on our next episode, we will have a special guest. So keep tuned into our Instagram accounts at Machinist Therapy Hotline to find out who that's going to be. Thanks again and see you next time.